church leaders, welcome to the CEO Pastor Podcast. My name is Cindy, and I am your host for today's episode. My goal is to provide the management expertise every church leader needs to produce the ministry experience every church leader wants. We'll skip the jargon and cliches and focus on ideas that will help you accomplish the church's mission in your unique ministry context. Ready? Let's go. episode we discussed giving ongoing feedback for your teams that day-to-day feedback so people have an idea that they're doing a good job and that their contributions are being noticed or if you see something that's being done that's ineffective you get a chance to point that out so the person has an opportunity to improve today we're going to talk about the dreaded performance evaluation. And I'm not saying that you're going to necessarily sit down and have a big meeting with all the people that you work with, whether they're staff or volunteers, although you can if you'd like. But this is kind of the overall big push on getting feedback for the people who are working on your team. Now, I'm sure that some of the people that you're working with are staff that you get to hire and fire and promote and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to volunteers, especially when it's people in your congregation, I'd like to give you a reminder. These are people who are family. These are people who, if they're part of the church, we're all one big family if we're a church. And anybody who works in a family business knows that it's very difficult to fire family. And it's not always desirable to fire family. Now, I'm not saying that people who are in your congregation who are volunteering are not going to be in positions they're not necessarily suited for or in positions where they might not be the best person for that particular position. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you don't get to, quote-unquote, fire them from their position in the same way that you would if you were hiring staff in the traditional sense. I believe that the Lord puts people in particular congregations and particular ministries for a reason. And just because the person is not being effective in the position that they're in doesn't mean that they're not supposed to be there and that they can't be effective in a different position. It's just that you have to find where they fit in. And some people, that's really easy to do. It's really easy to see exactly where people are gifted and where they should be working And it's easy to plug them into all those various roles that you need done in your congregation and in your ministry. But some people, it can be a little bit more difficult to find exactly where they're supposed to be, either because their spiritual gifting is unclear or they don't have the confidence to be able to go and just do these positions. Sometimes they have to have the opportunity to try a few things out to realize, no, I'm not into that, or, oh, I'm okay at that, but I don't really like this part of it. I just find that difficult. And they have to try a few different things in order to figure out, okay, this is where I fit. So when we're talking about performance evaluation, especially for congregants who are volunteering in your ministry, you can't just write people off. You have to find where the Lord wants them to fit into your ministry. And sometimes that takes time. So the two main things that you're trying to evaluate when you're doing performance evaluation 
is what we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Evaluating behavior, which if you've set up your job descriptions and thought about your core competencies or the main things that people need to do in order to be effective in the role that they're playing in your ministry. That's the behavior that you're evaluating and also evaluating the results. Hopefully you also have your strategy map figured out and you have the measurements that you're trying to use to achieve the goals for each particular area of your ministry. And both of those things have to be things that the person can control. So let's say, for example, you had a goal of only spending so much in your facilities management and something happened, the plumbing just died or whatever, you can't necessarily hold that against the person if you're using the measurement of not overspending in the facilities area because that was something that the person can't control. So you have to keep those things in mind when you're evaluating results and behaviors. And also, it's important as much as possible to evaluate things that can be measured objectively. Anybody who has any kind of exposure to the Internet knows about ratings, There are going to be people who are saying five stars for everything and just rant and rave and say everything's great. And there's going to be the haters that are going to rate everything one star. And then, of course, in the comments say, I wish I could rate this zero stars when it's clear from the description of whatever the issue is that they had that they clearly didn't buy the right thing for what they needed. So it's always important to try to make the things that you're evaluating as objective as possible so you don't have that sway between the people who are biased either positively or biased negatively. So I'm going to suggest two different ways that you can do your evaluations. And the first one is best for if you're making decisions based on these evaluations. So for example, if you have actual staff that you've hired in your ministry and you're trying to determine should this person get a promotion, should this person be moved to a different area of the ministry, should this person unfortunately have to be let go. This first evaluation scheme I'm going to discuss is more for that, although you could use it just for yourself to do an evaluation of people that you're not making those types of hiring, firing, promotion type decisions with. I know whenever I was being a teacher's assistant at Acadia Divinity College, I was doing some marking for one of the professors there, and before I started marking anything, Well, first I would ask the professor exactly what he was looking for when I was marking something. And based on that, I would lay out how many marks were going to be allocated to different things. So if something was worth five marks, I would say, okay, this is the question. He's looking for three things in this question. I'm also going to give a mark for like how clear the person's writing And also for, like, if it were an essay, for example, like a little brief introduction, a brief ending, like I would lay out exactly how I was going to assign the marks for that particular question before I even looked at any of the papers. And that way I could be as objective as possible instead of saying, oh, I like this person. Hopefully I would never do that, but sometimes you do it subconsciously. Then you could look at something and say, okay, regardless of who this person is, they didn't answer the question. Sometimes I would even give a mark even if they would just answer the question because sometimes people would get off on rabbit trails and they wouldn't answer the question 
And if they didn't answer the question, I couldn't give them any marks. So, you know, I had that whole thing all laid out before I even started. So I knew exactly what I was going to be looking for when I did those marks. So with all that being said, here's a scheme that I would propose for if you're evaluating your teams for the performance evaluation. First is to classify the person as either a a new person in that role, an experienced person in that role, or a manager. Because especially when you're talking about evaluating behavior, somebody who's new is not going to be at the same level as somebody who's been in the position for many years, or somebody who's supposed to be overseeing all of those positions, who hopefully has some experience in what exactly those positions do. So those are the first three things to categorize people according to new, experienced, or manager. And then once you have the people categorized into those three things, then you can evaluate people whether they're below expectations on whatever it is you're looking at, meets expectations on what you're looking at, or exceeds expectations. So for example, let's say you have somebody who's new in a position and they're just knocking it out of the park in a particular area. Like that could be a sign when you're going through and evaluating certain areas of their role. You could say, wow, this person's doing a really great job. Maybe they should be put into a different position where that is a requirement for what they need to be able to do in order to do that particular role really well. Or let's say you have a few people in a team, but a lot of the team is weak in that area, but this new person is really strong in a particular area where everybody else is weak, even though they're still new and still learning in most of the other areas, then you can use that person's abilities and talents in that one area that they're just doing great in to try to help the other people along. So that way, even the new person can contribute to that team. They don't have to feel like I'm just learning from people all the time. It can be a mutual time of I'm teaching you this thing that I'm really good at and you guys are teaching me all the other things that I'm just not familiar with yet and eventually we'll get up to speed on. So it, it makes everybody feel like a valued member of a team regardless of whether they're new or experienced. And the main goal of doing this, the best way, is that if somebody is below expectations, especially, you can rate that particular thing as a development area, something that that person can focus on in the future. Or if they're meeting or exceeding expectations, then you can label that as not a development area. So that kind of a scheme for doing evaluations is particularly helpful if you have people on staff But like I said, if you have that all laid out and you're just looking through, say, your volunteers or whatever, you can just kind of take a quick think through on these new experienced or manager below meets or exceeds expectation and say, wow, that person's doing really great in that area, but they need development in this area. And it can help you kind of pinpoint the different needs of people who are working within your team, within your ministry. The next way that I would suggest that people evaluate tends to be really good for developing people. So not necessarily for determining if people are getting raises or getting promoted or anything like that, but best for pinpointing areas where people need development. And this way is called 360-degree feedback. And I mentioned, I kind of hinted at this when we were talking about evaluation for leaders, and I mentioned that I would discuss this later on. But 360-degree feedback relies on the person who's getting evaluated receiving feedback from their manager, 
from their peers, from direct reports if they have any, and also from their customers or the people that they're serving. And the great thing about that is all these different views will give you a more complete picture of that person's contributions because someone's manager will see how a person does some things. Somebody's peer might see how they do something else that the manager doesn't get the opportunity to see. The people that the person is serving get to see another side of that person, and anybody that reports directly to that person gets to see yet another side of that person. So with all of that feedback all together... You can combine it and get a more well-rounded picture of exactly how well that person is doing in their role. And of course, one way to do that is to have yes or no ratings or that kind of thing. But a really good way to do it is to have a more narrative style in the evaluation. Just for people to talk about the things that they've noticed in that person how well they're working, how well they treat other people, how helpful they are when their direct report comes to them and asks them to provide them with something that they need, how well served the customers feel after they interact with this person. So it's more of a qualitative discussion about the person's contribution and the impact that that contribution has. Now, sometimes it can be a little bit time-consuming to gather all that feedback and to evaluate it and go through it, but if you're looking to develop somebody's skills in a particular role, then sometimes that's the best way to go about doing it. If you can see all of the different perspectives all at once, even though one person might say, oh, I don't know if they're any good at doing something, somebody else might say, no, no, I saw them doing it like that and they do that really well. It's just that that other person was never exposed to them doing that particular thing. So one of the ways that you can do this is by surveys and it's always good if you can to do a survey with people or get people to have like a an evaluation discussion at the end of a project or of a particular program Um, for example I'm running a program right now and I've already developed a survey online that's more of a yes and no and like multiple choice questions that are easy to do but I've also developed some questions that I'm going to ask people at the end of the program that I'm running so that they have the opportunity to discuss it amongst each other. And that way I can learn the things that were good about the program, the things that could be worked on, why people signed up for the program, what they were expecting and whether or not those expectations were met, and whether or not they would recommend the program to other people. And the way I'm doing that particular thing, because I know not everybody likes to type in an electronic type survey, and sometimes if you just have one person typing, you don't get quite the same result from what they're saying as if you have an actual discussion and people are feeding off each other's ideas. I'm going to, we're doing this program on Zoom, and I'm going to ask them if they're okay with it to record the discussion and that way we'll see exactly what everybody's facial expressions are their tone of voice and everything like that and we'll get those more long form answers to those evaluation questions and that way they can bounce off of each other and hopefully other something that someone will say will trigger something else in somebody else that they never thought of or that they have forgotten to mention so that's one way of doing it if you have that already set up At the time of the program, you can blast that out to the people, whether the managers or the people that the people are serving, the customers or the peers or direct reports. 
and just blast that out and say, okay, we're going to have an evaluation here. What did you think about this, 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 and this? And maybe have a discussion at the end, kind of like a debrief. So that's one way that you can do that 360-degree feedback. Because when I was developing the questionnaire for evaluating the program that I'm running right now, I was researching really good questions to ask online, and I stumbled across a website that was discussing evaluation questions, and they weren't just listing really good evaluation questions for the people who had attended an event. They were also saying you should also ask for evaluation from the people who ran the event and even from the people that were working at the location of the event, whether they were related to your organization or not, which I thought was very interesting because sometimes we rent facilities for big events or something like that, but we never think to ask the people that we're renting the facilities from how well we did in relation to them. And sometimes we also forget to ask the volunteers or the workers how well we did in relation to them. We only ask the people who attended the event how good the event was and whether it met their expectations. And that's another form of 360-degree feedback from the people who are working at the location, the people who are actually running the program or the event, and the people who attended the event. Sometimes they have different perspectives on how well the event was run, and getting those perspectives can help you improve that event or similar events in the future. And it's always helpful to get that information from them, especially soon after the event takes place while people's memories are fresh. So yes, this second option is ideal when you're talking about developing your people. You get the views from all around people to get a well-rounded picture of how the person is doing in their role and all the ways that they contribute and have an impact in what they're doing. And that way you can see if two or three of those different viewpoints see the same area that needs more development then that's a pretty obvious place to start working. And if more than one person agrees, even from the same group, let's say a person's peers, if a bunch of their peers all say something very similar about how somebody's doing a great job or how somebody could be improved, then that's a clear indication that that's a strong suit for somebody if it's something that they're doing really well or that's some place where they really need some more training or development if it's something that they're not doing very well. Or maybe they're just not realizing that they're not doing it well and they know how to do it, but it's just something that's kind of fallen off the radar in the midst of everything else. So if you have agreement from different areas or even agreement within one area that has special insight into a person's role, then that's a great place to pinpoint where people are getting good feedback and bad feedback. So I would encourage you to try to think of some ways that you can set up a few systems or surveys or whatever it is that you're trying to evaluate with your teams or your individuals and to think those things through so that you can get feedback from multiple sources, hopefully shortly after whatever it is that you're evaluating happens and also to set up a system if you're doing the first scheme to set up a system of your expectations for somebody who's new experienced or managing in a particular role and what is below expectation what meets expectation and what exceeds expectation 
and remember to try to keep those things balanced between evaluating the behaviors of somebody, not somebody's personal characteristics, but their behaviors and the results that you're expecting people to get from that particular role. Try to keep a balance between those two things. But you need to develop a system in order to evaluate those things so that you can do it fairly and that you can be as unbiased as possible when you're gathering that information. So on our next episode, I know I've been talking a lot about development and I haven't talked a lot about exactly how to go about doing some development. So on our next episode, I'm going to suggest a few different options for how to get that development now I understand that in ministry, a lot of the time you have volunteers and you also have kind of a pinchy budget that doesn't have a lot of wiggle room for big extravagant expenses. But I'm going to try to suggest a few things that you can do that either don't require a lot of money or hopefully don't require any money at all. So I hope you'll join me for that next week. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of CEO Pastor Podcast. I hope you discovered an idea that you can apply in your unique ministry context. Head over to CEOPastor.com for more resources and meet up with me and other church leaders on social media for further discussion. Any questions or suggestions? Email me at podcast at CEOPastor.com. And don't forget to share, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast to help spread the word that managing ministry better makes ministry better.